Well, thank you, Steve Weens, for joining us today. Uh, Steve is a pastor, and he's the author of multiple books, uh, Beginnings, Whole, Shining Like the Sun. He lives in Minneapolis, where he is an avid lawnmower, so yes. I've learned. <laughs> Steve, thanks so much for joining us today. It's so good to be with you, man. It's really good to be with you. Thanks. Well, um, we usually just start out with just asking people to talk about their work. Uh, so if you want to touch on, you know, being a pastor, being an author, or both of those things, uh, yeah, just give folks a little bit of a, a background of, of what you do. I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for 25 years. Um, mm. And that is a, that's still a shock to me. I never saw myself as being a pastor. Um, but I think, so sort of how I like to describe my work in terms of a really succinct statement is I help people take their faith as seriously as their doubt. Mm. So I'm really interested in helping people both deconstruct unhelpful systems of faith and belief, but also help them reconstruct something that is more holistic and that can match their experiences. Because I feel like it's very normal and natural to move through many stages of deconstruction, reconstruction. I think it's the, almost the Paschal mystery, you know, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Sort of that, you know, construction, deconstruction, reconstruction is in the nature of who we are. So I help people do that. I have a podcast called This Good Word. Um, and I, in my pastoring work, that's typically, those are typically the kinds of conversations that I end up having with people, mm. people who need to learn new ways to pray, new ways to be in the world, new ways to experience God. And so, um, and that's where I find most of my life in those kinds of interactions where I'm right in the middle of, um, of helping people move along the stages of faith journey, I guess is another way to say it. Right. To, uh, to use kind of like a, a popular word in our culture today, I mean, there's that word pivot. And yeah. I feel like that's, that's an important aspect of faith, just where you can deconstruct and then kind of pivot to like reconstruction. Like what, what is that process like as far as just how do you help people make that transition? Um, is, it, is it their idea or do you have to suggest it or is it you're just kind of waiting to see how, how it comes about? Well, I think what I try to do in terms of my writing and my speaking and my podcasting is I try to be as honest as I can about my own questions, my own doubt, and my own faith. And I think in doing that, you know, I find like almost like people sidle up to me with wide eyes and they say, when you said that, I couldn't believe you said it that way. That's exactly how I feel. So I'm trying to give people permission to name that, that the faith system that, they, that has worked for them no longer works so first of all, people have to name that. And they feel, in my experiences, they feel guilty. They feel um, like okay. something's wrong with them. They feel like maybe they just need to get back on track. And so typically, like when someone says, like, I don't know how to pray anymore, or the Bible doesn't even work for me, I usually like, I lift up my arms like this, and I say, congratulations, you've graduated. Right. You know, and that's really how I see it. Like, and then they usually look at me like, what? But, but so pivoting 
I like that word, Ed, but pivoting means almost to change our perspective about how we see ourselves, God, and the world. And as we grow, and as our experiences change, and especially as we, as Richard Rohr, you know, talks about, as we experience great love or great suffering, that those are thresholds that when we cross through them, the old ways of thinking and believing aren't bad necessarily, maybe they are, but they don't even have to be bad for you to pivot. They just, when they're used up, um, it's just time for a new way of seeing. And I think that's where, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, uh, those who are blind, um, those who claim that they can see are actually blind. Those who know that they're blind actually are able to see. And I think that's, those are moments of awakening and that if we can stay soft to those moments of awakening, and if we can linger in them long enough, then I think we can, um, I like the word expand. We can expand how we see God because if God is, yeah. you know, if God is mystery and you know, ultimate reality, then we should actually continue our, we, that our understanding of that God should keep expanding as well. So I, I just really enjoy taking time with people. And I, and I think I've always been curious, you know, I've always, ever since I was a little boy, just asking lots and lots of questions about people, about God. And I think that curiosity, that posture of curiosity helps me. Like I don't typically get threatened by people when they say I've lost my faith or I've lost, you know, that, that doesn't, that I, I almost feel like, okay, now it's, you know, now right, it's time right. to play. Let's, let's. <laughs> yeah, now we got something to work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely feel like I, I have spent a lot of time in cafes in fairly conservative towns around a lot of Christians who have their big Bibles out and have their discussions about things. And the more certain they sound, almost the more I feel bad for them because I know that the crash is coming yeah. most of the time. The crash is going to yeah. come. It's inevitable unless you are so rigid that you don't let it in, you know? There's a way of avoiding the crash, even if you crash, you know, even if you crash. But I think I tied where I resonate. Yeah. When you hear the certainty and the, ooh, you know, cause that just is going to run out, you know, yeah. experiences are gonna, life is too hard um, for certainty to hold up. Mm -hmm. I so think. You, you pastor a, a wide range of ages mm -hmm. You're on social media. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You, you're an author on social media, a pastor on social media. Uh, how, how have you managed that space, especially when you're doing these kind of high stakes questions about doubt or faith or mm -hmm. um, even social issues today? You know, how, how have you managed that space for yourself? Well, that's a really, it, it has shifted and evolved over, over the years. Um, I think, cause I've been on, I've been on Twitter since 2011, I think, which, Mm -hmm. I didn't even think I was all that late of an adopter, but I think, you know, I was, but anyway, so I think at first I was very careful. Um, didn't really want to, didn't want to use it as a way to create controversy. And I still really don't want to create controversy, but I also feel like Twitter and Facebook, especially are when it comes to the social issues of our time, that they are important um, 
they, they, they can be an important way to say, hey, not everybody thinks that way. Um, and so I think, you know, the prevailing attitude among the world about Christians is that everyone was thrilled when Trump held a Bible up in front of a church, you know, but I think a lot of us were, and it was in front of an Episcopal church, right. <laughs> of all things. Yeah, no kidding. And I felt immediately, so this is just a couple of days ago, but I felt immediately like, no, in this kind of time, I, I'm going to say something and I know I'm going to get heat for it, but I'm going to say it anyway, because there are people out there who need to know that they're not crazy for being disgusted by that, by that move. And um, so, but, but, but then it, it's funny, even just, I think last night I posted, I, I, I did a post on Facebook that it was like public service announcement for people who are finally getting honest on Facebook and are getting pushed back. Mm-hmm. And there was like five main points, but I said, number one, it's really fine to delete any comment that is bullying, trollish, uh, or condescending. If someone's not willing to enter in dialogue, it's one, it's your wall, go ahead and delete. But number two, if someone really is genuinely curious and they disagree with you, engage. I actually, so I'm hanging out, social distancing outside tonight with a friend that's very different politically than I am, but he's become one of my best friends. And really we, we got that way because we engaged on social media mm. about some very large differences. And then we ended up taking it, you know, in person. And now this guy is just one of my 65 years old. He's one of my best friends. Um, mm. I love this guy. So, and then, you know, of course I, I won't go through all five, but it's like we have to engage and then step back, you know, I think I'm worried right now about myself and others in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of global social unrest regarding police violence and um, that everyone is glued to their, to Twitter and Facebook and social media in a way that, that is really not healthy. Um, Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it it will keep us at a heightened state of arousal. in which we will eventually burn out and be no good for anyone. So, so anyway, so long answer to a short question, I'm trying to engage and then pull back. And and I go through seasons where I'll typically at least once a year, I'll go, I'll do a 40 day complete fast from social media. And that's very helpful for me. Um, I'm, these days trying to like put a limit and I, I I'm failing at this cause I'm, I'm as bad as anyone, but to say like, you know, after a certain time at night, I'm no longer engaging in right. Facebook or, you know, so I think healthy boundaries around, um, around social media has, has helped some and learning to delete the trolls right. and that it really can be a helpful tool for naming important things and connecting with other people. I think it can be really helpful, but it's also, it's real addictive. So it's dangerous that way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I felt that myself just, you know, having just being on social media just a little bit more because I was planning a book launch and then pulling back because I, delayed it because of all the 
um, you know, the kind of attention to activism right now, which I think is really important, but I could, I could sense it in my spirit that, you know, Hey, yeah. this is, this is really draining me right now. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been engaged in in-person activism and online activism up in Minneapolis. It's kind of the epicenter of the George Floyd situation. Uh, you know, just wanted to see like what, what you wanted to share is so your reflections there, your experiences, uh, being online and also, you know, in-person activism mm -hmm. up there. Well, one of the first, I think, things that I felt like was important to do is um, I have three boys. Uh, my oldest is 13, and then I have twins that are 11. And we, we drove down to the intersection on 38th in Chicago where George Floyd was killed. And it's actually a beautiful memorial now. They have the whole intersection is blocked off. There's flowers and signs and pictures, and people linger around it in a very sacred way. And so it was important for me to go there personally where it happened and take my boys there, my three white boys, um, to a place where a black man was killed by a white police officer and to just start conversations. And so for me, like it, because it's easy, I think, for me to, to think first um, of the world and my response to the world about this. But it became really important that I not, that I didn't miss my own sons um, mm -hmm. and starting conversations with them. So, so in person, that was interesting and really helpful. Yesterday I joined in some, there's two clergy marches and protests that like about a thousand clergy came and it was led by um, black clergy both in terms of the prayers and, but also the march itself was led by them. And this is their, one of the women before George Floyd was killed had a dream and it was a vision really about a march. And she had no idea, you know, a clergy march and she had no idea what it was. And then, so then when, when it happened, she, she knew. And then um, they said, um, black clergy will lead and white clergy can follow behind as a symbolic way of saying, we have your back. And I, I cried as I was hearing those words because I realized, you know, this, it, it's sad that it, it takes that much um, pain to, and then a request from them, would you have our back? Like, so being in person there, there's a good, there was a healthy, feeling of sorrow and repentance of, oh, I'm glad I'm here now. Mm -hmm. And um, I have not had their back. So that's in person, those are the, some of the feelings and thoughts. I think online, um, I have tried to do, um, both highlight the importance that the work of justice is ongoing and that um, it is we are not as far along, especially there are just many of us white progressive people think we're farther along in terms of um, civil rights and, um, but the systemic injustice is just so palpably visible right now. And so it's important for me to name. And I've been in back and forth with some folks on Facebook that are, you know, some that are dismissive, but others that are genuinely you can feel the guilt. They're so guilty. And I get that. So am I. 
But some of them are saying, can't we just move on? Like, can't we just be at peace with each other? And my response is no. You know, we, we, there will be a day perhaps where we can be at peace with one another, but there's a lot of lamenting and repenting that needs to happen first. Um, you know, people talk about reparations. I don't even know if we can call it reparations. I mean, we, we need to do some initial work. Um, there's no re, <laughs> we need to do the first work. Mm. And so, but having said all that, I make it sound like I'm just blithely walking my way expertly through this. I'm really not. I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling all the feelings of um, guilt and um, wanting to check out. Um, and I also think that there, it is important. I'm telling my congregation, like, get involved and be engaged and then pull back and breathe. And that rhythm is super important, I think, because we can't, um, I can't put the gas pedal down, you know, full blast forever without running out. And, and that doesn't help anybody. So um, I'm feeling all the feelings um, and I'm just trying to do my best at engaging in appropriate and healthy ways, learning, you know, learning, admitting what I don't know, learning from our friends of color who um, have a lot of important and instructive things to say. And I'm going to do that all pretty imperfectly already. I'm doing it pretty imperfectly. And so I'm very aware too. It's like, how much am I motivated by my own sense of shame and guilt and how much am I motivated by actual justice and i don't know the answer to that question do you know what i mean yeah. there, there's a lot of different kinds of responses that's what's fascinating to me about this time right now um i mean obviously there are the activists who have been telling us this all along like black lives matter has been around yeah for a while now and uh you know i think for me there, you know, I look back at different events throughout, you know, the past that were maybe formative, and and so it's interesting to see how like this this situation is the tipping point for other people, and so it's that you know what I mean, like yep. there's there's yep. definitely that like that's that staggering of responses and having grace for people who they couldn't they didn't see Tamir Rice's you know murder in a park while he's playing with a toy, left to basically die by himself while his sister's watching uh, that didn't connect with people but this right. does and you know but i was saying to my wife that this like it's a high quality video showing a man slowly being killed by a police officer like you can't you know there's there's it's slow and deliberate and you can't argue yeah. it away you can't you know there's no way that you can talk away this you know subdued man being murdered and so yeah. that you know, that need to have grace and just walk with people through that and um you know there's just a lot of different responses but it's it's encouraging to see at least that you know this this is a tipping point for a lot of people right now um yeah and so there there is something hopeful about that that maybe more people will be listening now well said and it's again it's sad that it's that it takes that you know that nine right. minutes of 
a police officer clearly kneeling on a man, a black man's neck until he dies in the, in the face of people who are saying, you're killing him. Um, yeah, that it takes that blatant of a, uh, to wake us up. And, oof, um, you know, may it wake us up. You know, may this really be a tipping point. Yeah. It seems like it is. I hope it is for me, you know, and for all of us. I feel like the situation like this, you know, this kind of brings us to, uh, you know, just questions about, about social media as far as, you know, it's, it's good uses, it's bad uses. I feel like, you know, I, from a, an information sharing standpoint, being able to share a video like that, George Floyd's um, murder is traumatizing, but at the same time, um, it's also what woke a lot of people up yeah. to this. Um, you know, you've written a lot about, you know, restoration as far as just how to restore yourself. Um, that's been a big, big part of your work. Um, you know, what are, what are you doing these days? What are you telling other people to try out? You know, is there like a, uh, I don't know, like, like a starter guide for people who are yeah. like, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I, you know, I need to, I need to, you know, recharge a bit. You know, how are you helping people? That doesn't involve going out and buying a lawnmower. <laughs> I do love mowing my lawn. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's been the most helpful for me lately, and this is what I'm trying to tell people to do, um, I'll share two things. But the first thing is learning to meditate. And um, I don't, I don't, so what I do is 10 minutes of silence where I follow my breath in and out. And the reason why that I'm saying that that's so important right now is because we're all living in such a heightened state of arousal. Every moment feels like a just body blow, especially if we're on social media all the time. And so to take one or two sits each day and clear our minds and follow our breath in and follow our breath out and return to the breath whenever, you know, we start thinking about the list that needs to happen without judgment, we just return. Number one, that, that is, gives us a physiological, it gives our body a physiological break in the heightened arousal sense. And you can feel your body calming as you follow your breath in and out. But secondly, over time that, you know, cause maybe in 10 minutes you might need to return to your breath literally two or three dozen times, you know, <laughs> right. That it teaches us during the rest of the day, when we find ourselves swimming in a sea of anxiety, anger, grief, rage, that we can begin to habitually, even in those moments, return to our breath and realize we're not our thoughts. You know, the, the Buddhists help us so much in this. We're not our thoughts, yeah. we're not our feelings. We are something deep, much deeper. Our truest self is something hidden, like as Christians, we would say hidden with Christ in God. Our truest self is that place within us that is beyond ego, beyond um, dualistic thinking. And so meditation is really helping. And I think set your timer for 10 minutes, close your eyes, follow your breath in and out. And every time you start thinking about the groceries, just without judgment, return to your breath. Do that one or two times a day. And I think it's really helpful in this time. Secondly, I'm, I'm reading um, 
So I'm reading the mystics, um, you know, Meister Eckhart even, and mainly I'm reading like people who write about Meister Eckhart because his right, writings right. are so, so damn well, you know, yeah. oh, you're, the, you're the pro at this, but, um, but I'm starting to finally read some of his actual writing. Um, but there's this book of poetry that was put out by John Sweeney and Mark Burroughs. And it reads a lot like Hafiz or Rumi, but it's based on Meister Eckhart's teaching. And mm. it's called, there's two volumes actually, but the first one is Meditations from the Heart. And um, they, I'm, so I'm reading these poems and they're non-dualistic. They are expansive and I would, um, geez, if I could, if, let me, let me read, can I, can I read yeah. just a really quick one? Please. Okay, hold on. Yeah, no, we could definitely use it. And that's, I mean, uh, if you read Thomas Burton, I mean, basically what he's doing is re remixing the Spanish mystics, right? Like he's taking yeah. Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross. So there's kind of a, a good history of Christians taking the wisdom of the past and kind of reworking it for their own time. So I'm all for that. <laughs> oh, me too. It's like we, we just need to mine the ancient wisdom um, and put it into the context of our time, you know? Um, okay, so this little book, again, is called Meister Eckhart's Book of the Heart, Meditations for the Restless Soul by John Sweeney and Mark Burroughs. And again, it's just a book of poetry. And of course, Meister Eckhart was not a poet. He didn't write this poetry, but um, these guys are, so Mark Burroughs is a is an expert German translator. So he really got the heart of, um, of what Eckhart was trying to say and do. And then they, they translated into, into poetry and it's, it's just, Oh my gosh, it's so good. So good. Okay. Um, here we go. So I'll read this God's unending now. To say as many do that God made the world is to confuse what is true. For God never ceased making what was made and what will be is already present in God's unending now. This truth reminds me that God is making all things new, even what is past and gone and also what lies yet unknown in the future in your life and mine. So in this little poem, I am reminded, even in this crazy, chaotic, terrible time, is God is God is outside of time. It is somehow the work of creation that God did in the beginning has never stopped. God is all because of because God is who God is, God is always creating. And God is always making, somehow making everything new even things that have ended in deep, deep tragedy. And so I think to me, that's the Paschal mystery again. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, is this understanding that um, we are not without hope because of who God is. Um, and God is never done working. And I, I find great peace in that. And so that's the second thing. I'm, I'm anchoring myself in these sort of non-dualistic, pieces of poetry and you know i'm even reading the, the Tao Te Ching lately because it's so it's full of so much wisdom and it's not simple but it's um peaceful so i'm needing to read 
things that ground me in in the 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 reality of the nature of God of right who is justice and peace yeah mm. oh amen so be it those are good words thanks so much Ed this was fun just to take a moment and reflect on you know in so much doing right now just take a moment and reflect on what I think and feel was a real gift so thanks for your great questions and for your presence in the world it's a big deal yeah oh, I'm glad to be a part of it thanks for sharing it um if folks want to connect with you what are the best ways to do that these days you know my website is really the best it has so steveweens.com s-t-e-v-e-w-i-e-n-s.com mm -hmm. you can connect with my books with my podcast um i have a newsletter that i put out about every week called finding god after losing faith mm. and so it's for people who are really hungry for god still but they've lost their anchor so mm. um so what's, people can subscribe to that and what's your podcast name again it's called this good word this good word okay yeah all right great well thank you so much for joining me and and uh god's peace god's blessings to you in these uh difficult times and glad that you've been present for really important work. Thanks, Ed. You too. Grateful, grateful for our friendship. Thanks, Steve.